This is Bob Rourke of Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're fortunate to have Jerry Wilhite on the podcast. Jerry is the CEO of FSIC and is an industry veteran in food service distribution. FSIC is a professional services firm supporting multi-unit operators in optimizing their purchasing results. Jerry brings 34 years of food service experience to FSIC working with all participants in the food service supply chain. He worked with U.S. Food Service for 22 years in all aspects of the distribution business, including corporate national accounts, division president, VP of sales, accounts payable and receivables, purchasing and operations. Jerry also was a division president for Food Services of America. As VP of corporate national accounts sales, Western Region, Jerry was key in developing programs for chains such as Marie Callender's, Restaurants Unlimited, Cheesecake Factory, Claim Jumper, and Wolfgang Pucks. Jerry was responsible for over 1,000 national account programs. Jerry also was involved in mergers and acquisitions for U.S. Food Service. Jerry's family has over 350 combined years of food service distribution experience that dates back to 1911. Jerry is and has been actively involved in various restaurant industry associations. Jerry is an alumnus of the University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Jerry, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, Bob, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Super. Well, we're, we're in Colorado. We actually got a brief shower, needed one. And um, Jerry, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, Bob, I started in uh, food service distribution in the 1970s, uh, late 70s. I uh, worked for the company that my family had, uh, had been with and that I was born and raised into. It's uh, S.E. Rykoff Company. Spent uh, 22 years there, as you stated, um, in all aspects of the business. It's interesting to hear you read off all the jobs. I guess I wasn't good at any, so they let me do them all. Couldn't keep so, <laughs> Couldn't keep one, so they kept moving me around. Now, I was fortunate to be able to do uh, quite a few things in distribution. And for the distribution company, whether it be a U.S. Food Service, a Cisco, and FSA, they're all aircraft carriers. They're big companies. And with that, being able to do multiple uh, jobs, I was able to learn more about how the whole pieces of the puzzle came together in distribution, which I think is is helped me in uh, in me putting together FSIC along with some partners in 2000. Um, with the understanding of how distribution works, um, how things flow through distribution, I think it give, gives us the ability and, and the people I have within our organization gives us the uh, ability to understand what some fallacies are in the in the distribution business and how we may be able to bring clarity to it, which ultimately saves money for our clients. You know, before we go too far, what does FSIC stand for? Food service industry consultants. The issue was when we started the company in 2000, the word consultant kind of had a negative connotation to it. So we cut it down real quick to FSIC. Um, people think because of a tagline we used early on was for security integrity and compliance, that that's what it was. No, it's not. It was for food service industry consultants. And uh, I, I have no problem in using that word because I truly bring believe that our people and our company bring uh, some real good value as consultants to our clients. You know, as, as we think about the journey from working for a family business to taking starting your own, there was a point or a decision point somehow where you transitioned from being in the family business to opening FSIC. Take us to that thought process. Well, I tell you, I get I get asked the question all the time. 
how did you feel about taking a risk to open your own company? You know, Bob, even today, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as I've got a job to do. And it started out by, by looking at the opportunity of how we could help our customers. Um, when I left distribution, I went to work for a company called Amfire, which is part of iTrade Network today. It was bought. Um, I went to work for them. They were a technology company. Although I, I own a technology company or a company that owns its own technology, I'm probably the, the least uh, astute at technology of anybody in the world. In fact, I have a tough time with my phone at times. But what I did know, and because I was part of uh, EFR, Efficient Food Service Response, in 1990, which was a group of, of distributors, manufacturers, operators, and they were talking about how we could bring clarity to the industry with singular product codes, things like that. Well, here it is, 2017. They still don't have that figured out. But what we've been able to do at FSIC is figure that out, and we're able to track product from manufacturer through to operator. And unfortunately, with the complexity in the business, there's a lot of errors that are made between that point in the operator's back door, and we're able to capture through visibility, we're able to capture those, those issues that are created in the industry. And secondly, and more importantly, we bring visibility to the customer so they can make great business decisions. Unfortunately, with invoices, they're looking at invoice data. They may be looking at a can, but they don't really truly understand, am I getting the right product from the right vendor at the right price? And we have the ability to, to make sure that that happens. You know, it's, I'm thinking as, as the listener sitting out there and going, you know, either I've been at a restaurant or I own a restaurant. And so maybe walk us through the, the problems that those folks are facing and then the solutions that you bring to the table. Well, I think that the, the real issue in it, and it, again, was prevalent in 1990 and it's still prevalent today. There's over an 8.5% inherent error rate in the industry today. That doesn't mean dollars. Everybody go, you know, equate that and go, wow, 8.5% of dollars. It's 8.5% of all transactions has something different than what the perception of the customer was. Different pack size, different product, different manufacturer, wrong pricing, you name it. There's a gamut of, of reasons, but 8.5% of the time, something isn't the way that it was perceived to be when it was purchased. So we have the ability, because we track by manufacturer, by manufacturer product code, we have the ability and a system set up to capture those variances, put some eyeballs on it and say, does this make sense? And what that means for our customer is that our customer today, uh, in the first year, there isn't a customer we have uh, or we, that we will engage with or bring on that we can't bring at least a, a quarter of a million dollars worth of savings opportunities to the table. We don't want them to change distributors. They don't change manufacturers. That's just through the inherent error rate of what goes on in the industry today. Um, so we're able to capture those things and bring that to the customer. We also bring them visibility. And once they are able to see uh, the metrics that are in supply chain that have never been there before or haven't had the ability to get to, right in front of them, teed up every quarter, every month where they have a one sheet they're able to look at and look at what the potential problems are. Um, I don't have a customer today that wants to go back to not having at least 20-20 vision in supply chain because once they've seen it and seen that clarity, 
We don't lose customers. We well, retain our customers. Let's circle back just a little bit. Okay. Who is who is your ideal customer? Our ideal client today is a customer buying at least $5 million, so 15, 20 million in purchases um, that cross over um, distribution centers. So maybe they are in two or three broadliners, one or two produce companies, um, where that complexity tends to grow once you start getting out of a single distribution center. Um, but we have customers that are doing a billion dollars a year in purchases day. In fact, one of them has a TV show that's, I think, called something about the billion dollar purchaser or something like that. So um, we also have accounts that do less than that. And they're in my uh, one of our vertical companies called My Intellispend. And what that does is for an up-and-comer or a new account or a large independent, we have the ability to uh, license software to them that enables them to get that visibility themselves. Unfortunately, they're not big enough where we can afford to service them as a company, as an FSICI client, and all the, the um, uh, consulting services that we provide. Um, but it gives them a way to get into the game at uh, a smaller or lower uh, entry fee, uh, per se. Um, what we do, do Bob, though, that I think is real unique in our, our industry, first off, we're only paid by our client. And secondly, and I think is as important as that, is if we don't give the customer the opportunities um, and the ability to save twice what they pay us the first year, I'm giving them their money back because I've never wanted to be in our customer's pocket. You talked to me earlier about why I started this is because I've had too many people in distribution with their hands out trying to add to the cost of supply chain or add to the cost to our clients without bringing a lot of value that I truly believe that I owed it to the industry. When I knew that I could bring clarity, I owed it to the industry to get involved, to be able to bring clarity to the customer so that they don't have money falling through the cracks. They work too hard and they have too tight of margins to lose money because somebody's potentially taken advantage of them. You know, as we're talking about visibility, you know, and data is not necessarily intelligence, you know, and so walk us through a, a circumstance where you have um, perhaps an example new client and they now have your reports. What types of things will they see and how do they see, how can they tell? Well, for that's, that's, again, it's a great question. I get told almost every account I go in that I've got 80% of my stuff contracted. It's buttoned down. You know, we're getting the right products from the right vendor. Um, I can tell you that we have yet to have a customer today that once they see their data, first and foremost, they get a little angry because um, what the perception of what was going on isn't what's going on. But I think more so than that is that we get a wow. We get a, wow, where'd you get this information? Wow, how'd you get this information? And what's really interesting about, we also get that from the distributor. When we send a distributor back saying our client didn't get the right product or they didn't get it at the right price or you owe them restitution, um, and we show them the report, first thing out of their mouth is, wow, where'd you get this information? Well, it's the data you provided to us two weeks ago. We just look at it differently. We look at the data and slice and dice it differently. And the way we ask for it, and again, because it originates from manufacturer and manufacturer product code, it's very easy to track that across the country. 
it's really what EFR has been trying to do. And today there's a there's another group at the, the National Restaurant Association, I believe. But until you get all parties to play the game, it'll never happen. And again, we were working on it 27 years ago. And today it's no better than it was 27 years ago. You know, in, in the midst of that description, you mentioned restitution. So to the folks that aren't aware of how restitution works, in your business, what is that about? Restitution is is that we have a, a module within IntelliSpend, which is the proprietary database, um, uh, intellectual database that we own. Um, we have a module that's a contract management module. And what it does is it manages the contract price that a customer should pay for any given period of time, whether it's a month, a day, a week, a year. We load that into our system, and it matches that up against every single transaction off of every single invoice. And I think that's a, a, a unique situation in itself. I've got a customer that has a million five hundred thousand transactions, and I joke with him all the a month, and I joke with him all the time. I said, if you laid out all those invoices in Jerry Jones Stadium, you wouldn't have time over a year to look at every transaction off of every invoice in those seats for a million five hundred thousand transactions and yet we do it on a monthly basis and we're looking for contract ver verification contract ver variation and, and when you we get to restitution if a customer was supposed to pay ten dollars and they didn't pay ten dollars they paid twelve we have the ability to track what that variance is we have the ability to send that to the distributor on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis and say Here's what the contract read. Here's what you charged them. Here's the money that's owed. I'm not asking for anything that the customer and the distributor didn't agree to in their distribution agreement. Just if A or one and two don't equal three, we're going to ask that restitution be paid where it's owed. I don't want anything more than what the agreement says. But another reason I started the company, Bob, is I was on the other side for 22 years. And being on the other side for 22 years, many times I felt like I signed an agreement with a customer and the customer threw that agreement in the drawer and really didn't realize that they had a commitment to the agreement just like the distributor does or just like the manufacturer does in a manufacturer contract. So we educate our customers and hold our customers accountable to what the agreement is too. The reason is that gives them the ability to drive cost out of the system which in tune gives them the ability to lower costs on a go-forward basis in new negotiations. So if they're telling the distributor I need two, week, two times a week delivery, and yet they're getting three and a half, we make it a point every month to say, hey, your agreement's two deliveries a week, and in you know, Dallas, Texas, your four units are getting three and a half. Now, there's also an added cost to the customer. Because the average delivery costs the customer, on average, $75 a delivery in soft cost. Processing an invoice, paying it, doing all of receiving the order at the facility. So although that isn't part of what our savings is to a customer, we truly believe that uh, that's uh, uh, a real cost that needs to be looked at when a customer, and I'll give you, a, we have, again, a, a classic example. We had a customer that when we looked at their deliveries over a year's period of time, they got 5,500 deliveries more than what the agreement said. So, 75 bucks a pop. 
I went back to the distributor and said, if I was able to drive 2,500 deliveries out of your system, what would that be worth to you? They said $150,000. I said, okay, so reduce the margin so that it comes down 150,000 and I'll drive those 2,500 deliveries. Quit sell, delivering our customers three times a week. Only deliver them twice. You know, because a, distribution is part of the problem as much as the customer is part of the problem at times. You know, optics in, in Intel, you know, ex-Army guy, lots of data. Yeah. Data's not Intel. But, you know, when you look at that and you kind of go on a repetitive basis for a big chain, you go one extra delivery a week times however many chains you have times 75 bucks. And if it's publicly traded and it flows to the bottom line, it can make an extraordinary difference. You know, and so when you talk about your proprietary database in, in that software, to the extent that you can, can you describe the nature of the database and how it helps your customer? Well, the database was built, Bob, for us. We, um, although we do have my IntelliSpend now where we license it out, we're really a, a technology-enabled service. Um, the technology is proprietary to us. It's faster, cheaper, um, better than what customers can normally do on, on their own, or they have bought technology. They bought licensed out technology. The unfortunate part is the first one to leave, but the one commodity a restaurant tour does not have is time. Unfortunately, with time, they're all out of time. They're all wearing 10 different hats. I tell them, if nothing else, let us be your nine pegs on your, your hat holder or your, your coat holder. Let's just us carry your hats for you because you're carrying so many of them. We have the ability to really dissect out anything that's happening in this supply chain, tee it up for them so that they have the time to look at the intel and do something with it. You know, before we go too much further, you know, for the folks who are going, geez, I need to talk to Jerry, how do they find you? Well, first and foremost, my email, is, uh, as my wife says, it might as well just be an IV in my arm. It's jwilheit, W-I-L-H-I-T-E, at fsici.com. They can also find us on Twitter at FSICI. They can find us on uh, Facebook at FSICI, or they can get a hold of me directly at LinkedIn, again, at, at FSICI, comma, Inc., so those are the, the four places that they can track us down. Um, Bob, I'll throw it out now. They can call me directly on my line at area code 719-576-3264. I love to talk to customers. You know, there's there's no harm in calling. <laughs> it works. You know, that in the old days, that's all we could do. Mm -hmm. We'd pull off the side of the road, find us one of those little boxes in the gas station, and pull up that little cord, throw in our quarters, and we'd make a phone call. For a lot of people on that listen to this podcast, they may not remember that. <laughs> I, I remember those days, or, or the hot phone booth in Albuquerque. There you go. I remember. You know, so for this whole process, and, and you know, the elephant in the room is why in the world wouldn't somebody be doing this? I mean, what's the impediment for the guy going, oh, I don't need this? Well, first and foremost, I think what it is is... Um, there's been a lot of people that have walked in over the years, and again, I, I heard it for the 22 years I was in distribution. I'm going to save you money. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that. And people have spent a lot of money and gotten no value. thing that we do at FSIC, first and foremost, I won't tell you I can do anything for you until I get an opportunity to do, invest in a summary of findings. that is free to you, but we make that initial investment. What we do is we pull 90 days worth of data from your chosen distributors, 
We'll put it through our system. We'll come back with a summary of findings that tells you what we find and what we're looking at and how much money that we, first off, think we can save you. And then again, whatever our, our fee will be on a monthly basis, if we don't save you double that over a 12-month period, we'll give you your money back. So customers that are our customers today, Bob, their comment always is, why would you do it? It's a no-brainer. There's nothing you need to do except put a, a signature on a letter of authorization and a signature on a mon, uh, mutual non-disclosure so that we don't, you know that we aren't sharing your data with anybody else. And uh, that is all you need to do. And within 30 days, we come back and show you where there potentially may be errors. I've made a statement that um, if we can't find any errors, I'll tell you. I've had a, a yet to have a customer in 17 years that we couldn't find at least a quarter of a million dollars in savings. You know, I, I think about in any other business, when you go, well, what, if you have an 8% error rate, in any other business, you know, how that, how would you let that go by if you had any idea? And, you know, and I think so much of what you're talking about is either there's nothing we can do about it or they just don't know. And, you know, and you and I were talking here a few weeks ago and we were talking about a freight differential on the same product. And if you can, to the extent not mention names, walk us through just the freight side differential. Well, we're very fortunate. Uh, Everybody in my family is somehow tied to the business, and I have a, a brother that's uh, involved with Echo Logistics. If you don't know who they are, they're the largest third-party um, LTL carrier in the country um, today. They're pushing the full truckload, uh, uh, largest carrier in the country So today. LTL is? Uh, less than a truckload, meaning okay. you're buying, buying a few pallets. My brother was involved with a, uh, a freight company that in turn was bought, bought by Echo. Echo Logistics also owns, or the owners of Echo Logistics own Groupon, along with uh, um, Lights Out or Lights Up or something, a new company that just came out that was the number one world technology company of startup. Um, I guess they're uh, worth $20 billion in their first year and a half. So they're doing pretty well. Um, anyway, we have the ability to look at freight um, and look and see if it's economical. And we had a client, had a client for three and a half years uh, due to confidentiality. I can't share who they are. They're in the uh, entertainment area of the business, very large. Um, they've had extreme growth over the last uh, year. I think they're up 16%. So if you were to internet or Google them, you would probably find out who they are. But we were very fortunate in, in working with a gentleman that I've known since 1981 um, that we're now doing business with and have for the last three or four years where we were looking at their French fry business. And, and looking at their French fry business, and obviously because of managing over 160 brands today, we have validation points that we're looking at going, how come this customer who buys more French fries than any of our other accounts buy um, how come their prices are higher? We started really looking at the FOB contracts because most fry contracts are FOB plant. So we started looking and going something. What is FOB and FOB plant? FOB is freight on board, and it's freight on board either at the location or the plant where it was manufactured or it's delivered. Okay. Most French fry contracts are, are FOB plant, so freight on board at the plant. So. We were looking at it and going, something isn't right here. So we dug into it a little bit. Well, what came out of it, Bob, that, that I shared with you? We had a $550,000 annual savings in freight adjustments alone. 
with that customer. Once we got freight under control, um, it saved the customer 550000 He's joked that we've paid for ourselves for 10 years or whatever that number may be. You know, I, um, think- I appreciate that, but reality is, is that we're turning stones every day looking for opportunities to save our customers. We're looking for the anomaly. All the time. So if you're a multi-chain restaurateur and you go, all right, I want to take chain number, the store number three, and raise its revenue by 550 grand. That's a tall order. (laughs) You know, and and I think about the level of introspection or inspection that happens across a large database. And, you know, and we're back to the question. So if you have somebody that's interested, what are the typical concerns that you hear on a regular basis from a potential customer if they consider engaging you guys? Well, I think that the biggest thing is the threat, depending on who we're talking to. We're talking to CEO, CFO, sometimes a little bit different. We're talking to somebody in purchasing. I think at times it's, it's threatening to them. It's threatening to their job that if I bring you in, am I going to look bad? In fact, I, I was on a call and said, hey, if I walk down the hall and tell everybody what you just told me in the summary of findings, they'll probably fire me. I go, that would be unjust because you don't have the information. You don't have the analytics that we just showed you. You don't have that available to you, unfortunately. Or even if you did and you're pulling it from nine distributors across the country or, or in one case we have 49 different produce companies, how do you do that? and do all the other jobs that, that you do. Um, that is the biggest threat that we find in people. And what Once they realize that we're there to support them, we don't want to ring the bell. That isn't what we're here for. We're not for this. We got into the business. Again, I'm very fortunate. And I pinch myself every day, Bob. I've got a lot of people in this industry. Um, I call ourselves the geriatric group at times because a lot of us are uh, probably in the, the last uh, you know 10 chapters of our book. But we've got a lot of uh, energetic young people in the company as well um, that are learning and, and understanding the business. And reality is, is that we got a lot of people that are just here for the same reasons I am. Let's give the customer today an opportunity and the visibility that they should have had all along. Let's give them the op- opportunity to run their business with those analytics. And let's see how they do. And I'm very proud to say that most of our accounts are growing, whether it's Nobu, whether it's uh, Restaurants Unlimited in their uh, Henry's Tavern group, whether it's Dave and Buster's. Um, I can go on and on. Our customers are growing, and we feel that we have a little bit to do with that. We feel that we're because nothing's falling through the cracks, we give them the ability to have that money to grow their business. You know, if, so if I, I'm a larger operator and I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, I've, I've got a whole supply chain management department, you know, and why in the world would I need FSIC? What would be your response to that, that thought process? Well, again, I think we can bring the analytics to them that allow those people to be a lot more efficient. Um, one of our clients uh, today is, is Landry's. They have a very, very talented group of supply chain people. They do a great job of doing a lot of, or almost all of their own contracting. We're the ones that make sure that the contracts they do are adhered to in place 
and that the money doesn't flow out of the building because they thought they were paying 10, 20 and they're not. Or they're getting another product that's chasing customers away because the continuity and product is not right. So they're getting, and it may be a product that's less money. They're getting a product that's less money, but unfortunately, it's also an inferior product and the customer guest experience isn't the same. So they're losing the customer, which in turn loses money. So I, I, as the, I'm thinking, oh, so my customer experience, you go, well, I had this particular entree at one time and it tasted this way, and I ordered the same entree this time, and it tastes different. And the restaurateur may not have a clue as to why that would be. It potentially could be even in the same colored box, but a different manufacturer. Back to the supply chain management example that you mentioned. You know, you've got the talented people you know, are their time better spent working on the business or is their time better spent just trying to check and see if the invoice is correct? Our comment all the time is let us worry about what gets to your back door. Once it gets to your back door, that we want you to be focused on that. Be focused on execution. Be focused on, on guest experience. Be focused on those things. Let us support you on the things that really take up a lot of time and energy. And you know, when you get a chance to sit down and with our customers today and purchasing, time and time again, I could not do what I do today without you. You give me the ability to be efficient and to be able to wear the hats they're asking me to wear. And uh, I truly believe that, that we do do a great job of that, of that. And again, I don't need to be the one running upstairs with a check for 50,000 bucks. That, that isn't what it's about. It's about how do we make these people in purchasing, but also our clients overall, get what they expect. We inspect what they expect. And that's, it's hard to do without the right technology. And unfortunately, there are a lot of good technology companies out there, but they're techs that built the business for technology. And unfortunately, they weren't in the business. And we've built technology to get us the information we need as quickly as we can get it. And it literally gets to what we need very quickly. And we, and we set it up that way, Bob. We were in distribution. There were like, uh, let's say, 14 categories. Um, our high level, we have 44 categories today. Our subcategory goes to 2,800. And our sub-subcategory goes to 5,800 products. So if somebody wants to know something about a certain item, we can get there pretty quick, and we can really dissect any COGS issues, cost of goods sold. We can get to that pretty quick based on the analytics that we have. You know, as, as I'm sitting here thinking about the bigger operators, and if they're not talking to you, you, you know, you can kind of wonder, well, shame on you. You know, for, for the up-and-coming restaurateur that's growing his business, and he goes, well, I'm not quite at the number yet, but I sure could use the help. What kind of assistance or help can you offer that individual? We're really focused on emerging chains today. We really are. And um, we're uh, really starting to focus on getting them information as to who we are. And again, they may not be, let's say that they've got seven units and they're doing $3.5 million in purchases. They aren't at a place um, yet in their life cycle that they could could utilize a full FSICI uh, or be a full FSICI account. But even in my, my IntelliSpend, which is the technology piece where we show them how to run their own reporting, we still give them a couple hours a month of professional services. I can tell you that with the people we have, 
and as good as they are and talented and experienced, those two hours, they can go through most of their reports in those two hours. They're that good. So an up-and-coming has the opportunity, again, they get to be able to get in the game at a lot less money than it would be to be a full FSICI customers. And we do the full gamut, Bob. I've got customers that all we do is run reports, do a little analytics and send it to them. And I've got customers that have literally outsourced purchasing to us. Um, uh, Restaurants Unlimited has one person and a director in supply chain. That's it. They have 21 brands. Um, That's all they have in supply chain. We do the rest of it. Um, Black Angus has one person that that does the administrative day-to-day with did the milk truck show up. Um, We do everything else. Um, They do have somebody in creative, but we do the rest of everything for Black Angus. And I'm proud to say that I think at Restaurants Unlimited, we've uh, either been at or below COGS every single year from the previous year for the last five years and the last two years. um, We've had Black Angus going on our third year. The last two years, we've lowered their COGS both years. You know, I, I keep thinking back, you know, to the restaurateur that's working hard in a tough environment, as I understand for restaurants these days. It's getting even tougher, Bob. I hate to say that with minimum wage um, hits that they're taking nationally. Traffic is down. I think traffic's down an average at 10% nationally. Um, unfortunately, uh, with the millennials today, they don't, uh, they, uh, you know, my son and I talk about it all the time. My son, Mark, who lives in, in California, you know, we used to go out as entertainment. We'd go out to dinner, sit and shoot the what have you for, you know, two hours, and, and it was entertainment. They don't do that today. You know, first and foremost, they, they live in a world that they don't speak a whole lot. <laughs> I joke with my son about that. But reality is they don't, that isn't social time. They, they eat to live. They don't live to eat, <laughs> as, as you can see I do. But, uh, and I love to eat. And I love to go out and just socialize and talk and have a good time. Unfortunately, the, the world's not like that. And that's the reason you're seeing, uh, you know, Uber Eats and all these places that are, they want to eat the good food. They want to go out. They want to get the food. They don't want to sit there and, you know, and, and pay a 25% tip. And, and they don't want to do that. They want to get their food, eat it, and then go on with whatever else they have. And it may be that they're working three jobs. You know, that may be part of why they don't have the time to do you know, I think back to my parents. I mean, that was uh, going out once a, a month or once a week for dinner was was the luxury of the week, you know, for them. It was get dressed up. Yeah, it was yeah. an event. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a little bit different today, and it's a climate that our, our clients are having to deal with. And anything that we can do to bring added value and dollars to their bottom line, um, I feel good about. And you know what? I know before our customers do what we've done for them feels pretty good every day to know. And I tell our people, you'll know you had a good day when you leave the office, when your time is to leave in the afternoon, whether that be five o'clock, six, seven, eight, whatever that is, you'll know how you did based on what you did for our client. What you found for our client, you'll know and feel good on whether that was a good day or a bad day. And the fortunate part is we have wins every day and uh, it's it's nice to be able to go home every day feeling good about what you do. You know, it, circling back to one of the things you said earlier about about the guarantee. The guarantee is just not a verbal guarantee, is it? No, it's in writing. I don't want to take any of our customers' money. I am my people in our organization know if there's two things that I'm very passionate about is we don't take money for our, from our customers. 
Our customers pay us for the services we provide. If we don't get them at least double what they pay us, I don't want their money. I didn't get into this business to take their money. I got into this business because I saw a lot of people taking their money, and I didn't like it. I didn't like that there were always people glad handlers. The other thing I'm very passionate about is uh, the GPO business, the group purchasing organizations. Um, unfortunately, Bob, it's grown to over a hundred billion dollar industry, um, and the customer sees about twenty five cents on the dollar. Um, I am very passionate about bringing clarity to that side of the business and making sure people clearly understand that it's costing the industry over a hundred billion dollars. And until somebody cleans it up or somebody wakes up and says, wait a second, it goes 100% into my cost of goods, and yet you're giving me back 25 cents on the dollar. Again, and I make this statement a lot, I don't think you would take out a loan that had a 75% origination fee. At least not too many people in the world are taking those loans out. Not willingly. (laughs) Not willingly. So um, it's it's one that we could spend a full day on on the GPO side um, and hope you know, hope someday that you and I get a chance to sit down and talk about that. But I'm very passionate about about that. And I guess I'm passionate because I had an opportunity early on in the startup of FSIC to help one of the GPOs negotiate a distribution contract. And uh, I was flown to another state, got up in front of 100 customers, basically told those customers that, hey, I've Negotiated a lot of these contracts. I think I can do a good job for you. Negotiated with three companies. Three days later, found out that they took the one that was the least beneficial to the customer. And they chose it because in that CEO's words, it pays us the most. And from that day on, I've been more passionate about making sure there's clarity to what goes on with third parties, what goes on in the industry, to making sure there's clarity so with the customer clearly understands what they're getting and what they're paying for. Clarity and integrity seems like cliche, not so much. It's, you know, it's how you live your life. It's how I live my life, you know, uh, and plus I don't have to keep up with anything, you know, if you keep doing the right thing. Well, I, I tell people I'm just not smart enough to remember. If I start telling lies, I'm not smart enough to remember what I might have said. So it's probably just best just to say the truth. The second thing you bring that up, and I want to make something real clear, and I make this clear with every customer. There isn't a distributor today that wakes up in the morning and goes, how can I take advantage of my customer? That isn't what's going on. That isn't what's happening. What it is is, just like the customer, they're all busy. They're going 110 miles an hour. And as much as they like to say they're forward thinking and we're six months out and, you know, we sit in these think tanks and we're, they're dealing with yesterday's problems. You know, they're, they're, if you're a good account executive at a, at a distribution center, I'm telling you right now, they buried you first. I know I did it. <laughs> they buried you. You don't have the time to take care of the things you need to take care of. You're in the same boat as the restaurateur that, unfortunately, the commodity they don't have. If you ask any of them, what is the one thing you wish you had, they'd tell you more time. Yeah, I wish I had more time. I, I think about just data management for these guys. You know, and you look at the quantity of invoices and, and all the problems that they're going to have. So take us to the customer's mind that's been with you for a year, and you've helped them with their contracts. You've helped them. You've saved them, you know, like you said, two times the cost minimum of whatever you bill them for. 
What happens in year two and three? How, how do you take it? Well, the really interesting thing is this business is like a water balloon. Once you think you have something under control and you got it there and all of a sudden it starts slipping off the other end of the table. Um, there isn't, I mean, I've had a customer and, and, and in fact, Bob, I'm pretty proud to say we have a customer. We just signed an agreement with a press release will be coming out the next week. Um, we've extended a contract first time in my history that I've gone more than year to year. We've extended a contract through 2021 with Restaurants Unlimited, my longest tenured account I started with in 2001. Um, and we still get restitution checks. Last month's restitution or last quarter's restitution check was $23,000. I can tell you um, that $23,000 uh, covered the majority of our fees. That didn't include all the contracting we do for them because we do, they outsource purchasing. We do all of their contracts. We manage all their contracts. We manage their rebates. We collect over a million dollars a year in rebates. You know, just thinking about contract work, you know, for the typical restaurateur, you know, there's probably some level of contracts that they've done in their career. How many contracts do you think you've negotiated in your career? Well, we right now have over 7,000 contracts at, at FSIC that we're managing. Now, a contract can be one item. A contract can be, let's just say, a Georgia Pacific or someone. It could have 170 items on it. Um, we have over 7,000 contracts that we manage. And what that means is start date, end date, so that they don't fall out of, out of contract. What happens with a lot of chains is their contracts will fall out. They don't get renegotiated in time. They fall out. And then they're going back to chase that money. Again, what don't they have? They don't have time. When your contract goes out, what happens to your ability to control your pricing at that point? You go back to street pricing. So in other words, let's say we've negotiated a contract that's $4 a case less than what they would normally pay with their agreed upon margins. As soon as your contract comes up and it kicks out of the system, that $4 is gone. You're buying, you know, 60,000 cases a month. That's a lot of money. I, I think about uh, you know, it's that old analogy. Do you want to fight a martial artist that's practiced 10,000 moves once or the guy that's practiced one move 10,000 times? And, you know, and I think about for the folks out there going like, if either one, you don't like contract negotiating or two, you don't think you're particularly good at it. I mean, if that's what you do and that's what you manage and you have all this experience from all the contracts, hard for me to imagine how a restaurateur would think he could do better or she could do better. Well, I'm pretty fortunate. The people that we have in supplier relations, um, all of them are ex-VPs of merchandising for very large companies, whether it be Cisco, U.S. Food Service. Um, I can go on and on. Uh, again, I pinch myself every day, and we have two more coming aboard. One was VP of uh, National Accounts for uh, a company in Denver, a large broadliner. Uh, another one was a VP of Merchandising in Minneapolis for a large broadliner. Okay, for, both, for the folks that don't know, what's a broadliner? Broadliner is a Cisco, a U.S. food service, okay. an FSA, a Gordon Food Service, a Shamrock, a Reinhardt. And I the, can go on and on and on. And for the uninitiated, that's the delivery truck you see early in the morning on your way to work. That's the one you see the most. They're the most visible. They're the 40-footer running up and down the road. Then you have the produce companies and the meat companies and the seafood companies. The good news, Bob, unlike most technology companies, we track them all. I'll give you a, a real quick example again with Restaurants Unlimited. Restaurants Unlimited had a new CEO come in, and they went to a technology company. We were tracking 19 distributors, 43 different distribution points. The new company wanted to track two distributors, 19 distribution points. 
So the CEO goes, wait a second, I'm going to pay you more and I have to load the data. I've got to do all the work. I'm going to pay you more and I'm going to go from 97% visibility to 47% visibility. How does this work for me? So they got out of it. They got out of it right away that, you know, once they realized what they would be losing in visibility. And again, it's, it's no different that somebody that has eye problems and they get Lasix and all of a sudden, wow, I haven't seen that in 25 years. Most of our clients, when they see what we provide them in, in uh, actionable data, the word is wow. We just get wow. And then they say, how did I do this without you? Or I'll give you a, another example. Gary Morrow, who's the CEO and owner um, of Marmalade Cafes in L.A., he goes, you know what? He goes, I was a regional vice president for a very large chain nationally, and I thought I knew everything until you guys came around and made me feel stupid. And I go, we didn't try to make you feel stupid. I go, Gary, I go, I love you. We did, that wasn't the goal at all. What it is is it gave you the visibility that you have not had available to you. And I'll get, hey, I got to eat Cisco, or I can go online and look at this. Well, you're going to see exactly what you see on an invoice. When you see the data we provide, Bob, it doesn't look like an invoice at all. It's, wow, I bought seven different French fries from seven different manufacturers. It said I was getting French fries on my invoice, and you paid seven different prices, and that leakage alone cost you 2.5% for just that category. Oh, and you buy a million dollars worth of French fries a year? That's a lot of money falling through the cracks. We have the ability to catch that. Jerry, to kind of wrap this up, um, for the folks that are out there listening, what would be the next step? Well, it's a pretty simple process. Um, they will be emailed two uh, documents. One's a letter of authorization that we've written. All they have to do is put their signature on it and put it on their letterhead. It says that we have the ability to gather 90 days worth of data, put it through our system. Secondly, it's a mutual non-disclosure saying that they won't share what we give them and we won't share the information they provided us. We do ask for one other thing. Please tell us who your distributors are so we know who to pull the data from. You know, and, and for the guy that goes, you know, I'm a little uncertain, but I'd like to chat with you. What's the best way for them to reach you? They can reach me uh, directly on my uh, office line at area code 719-576-3264. They can reach me by email directly at jwilhite, that's W-I-L-H-I-T-E, at fsici.com. They can pick us up on Twitter or uh, Facebook at, at FSICI, or they can get me through LinkedIn at FSICI, comma, FSIC, comma, Inc. Perfect. That works, Jerry. I sure appreciate it. I appreciate your time.